we are starting a new series called Super, and then you can fill in the blank. Each week, we're going to fill in the blank. We're doing this series called Super because of the uh, big game that is coming to Minnesota that we are praying that the Minnesota Vikings are in. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I can say the term, you know, super, you know what I'm talking about, thing you eat cereal out of. You know what I'm saying? Super, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I don't know if like legally we're supposed to say, but I'm going to call it the big game, the super Sunday, the whatever. Uh, but on February 4th, it's going to be uh, crazy around here. And as of now, uh, the Vikings are still alive and uh, the whole world is going to be focusing on uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, on Minneapolis, on Minnesota. And so I wanted to embrace the obvious and uh, be able to do just a three-part series leading up to that day and uh, using this super game as just a, a metaphor for us to look at our spiritual faith. And, and just so you know, uh, the Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of athletics, of, of different events that you can run or a race. And he uses it as a metaphor to, to help people to understand their walk with Christ. And so we're going to do that. It's very obvious. We're playing to what's right here in front of us and embracing it. And uh, before I go any further, um, I just want to say this. Um, I know this goes out, you know, all the way around the world and they're watching in Haiti and you should be a Vikings fan if you're there. And I'm just saying, um, but I will say this. Uh, I was at the game with Connor and Logan and uh, we we're enjoying the game. And, you know, here we are the last minute. And I, I look at my two boys and I said, this is what it's like being a Vikings fan. Welcome to having your heart broken, crushed by one point. And, and I'm like, I cannot believe this. Like we love them anyways, but they rip our heart out. And then a moment later, oh, you know, I mean, it was like the Franco Harris, the immaculate reception, Drew Pearson, Hail Mary push off. It was, it was like, I understand what it's like to be a Packer fan and just have favor fall on you. You know, I was like, so I'm still recovering. I mean, I just, wow. Uh, so anyways, uh, fun, fun, fun to have that moment. And uh, of course, again, our city, all eyes around us. I love too that Case Keenum, uh, when they said like, was this the, what, how does this rank as one of your greatest days? He's like third best day of my life. I, amazing answer. Third best day. He said, best day of my life, giving my life to Jesus Christ. Second best day, getting married, right answer. Third best day, this game. I love that. And uh, Case is a Christian. Come on. We, we need him to win divine intervention. Come on, Lord. All right. So it's in our state. And uh, I want to say this, with the momentum that's here, um, a lot of churches gathered together and we, we, you'll notice a lot of churches in Minnesota are doing a, a, a series with football, with the big super game. Uh, so we're all doing this and we're just kind of, again, using the obvious. We've been praying together. We've been asking for God to just give us creative ways to reach out to the city. Our church is doing different things and reaching out to different ministries. Um, there's a, a magazine called Sports Spectrum. And uh, I want to let you know that we ordered 10,000 copies of this. And uh, it has Drew Brees hoisting uh, a Super Bowl trophy. Not going to happen this year, Drew. Um, so Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz over here. Not for you either. Um, another guy, I don't know. But anyways, all right. And uh, Adam Thielen's on the back. Maybe it's your year. So, uh, but uh, this magazine will be available. Um, take as many as you want. We have 10,000 of them. Each campus has them. No time like the present to give this out. It, it's an opportunity to take what's culturally relevant and use it for God's glory. You could leave this in a, a office, um, doctor's office. You could hand it out at work to a bunch of people that are in sports. If the Vikings win this weekend, people will want it even more. Okay, so use it as an opportunity to reach out. 
Um, I, I won't even go into all the details. I, I believe the Apostle Paul, it's my own thought on this, that um, he would go to the athletic games in his day in Corinth, and he would go there when they were having the athletic games because they would stay in tents. And that was right up his alley. He was a tent maker. He was there, able to work on the tents. He was able to minister to the people, and he was able to uh, take what culture was doing. And that's why he's using these metaphors and these different things. So don't think this is a bad thing to take advantage of this right now. If God's going to use football to bring somebody into the kingdom of God, I'm all for it. And uh, let's use it. So uh, Skull Vikings. All right, there you go. All right. I once preached in Alabama and, if, and I was kind of getting a lull. I just said, roll tide. And they were all like, roll tide. I mean, they just went crazy. So I think we're crazy. All right. There is Bible today. All right, there is Bible. Philippians chapter three. We're gonna use this one and throughout this series, we're gonna have different ones. Philippians three, and I'm gonna go 12, 13, 14. Then I will eventually get to 15. Um, I'm really gonna go verse by verse, but uh, I'll read it all. Not that I've already attained, Paul saying this, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's using a, a sports metaphor and he's talking about how super focused he is. And if you wanna know what super word we're using right now today, it's super focused. We are super focused. Now in, in verse 12, he says, here's the Apostle Paul. I mean, you know, we have a term in sports now, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. In, 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 in apostolic terms, I mean, the Apostle Paul would be the GOAT. He was like the greatest of all time. He was the yeah. apostle of apostles. And I love the way he starts out in verse 12. He's like, hey, not that I've already obtained all this and I've arrived at my goal. Like, hey guys, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. And I want to let you know, I am pressing, I, I, I'm not perfect. And as I'm speaking to you, I'm coming to you and I'm bearing my soul and I'm being honest with you. Matter of fact, one of our values is authenticity. And he's saying, hey, I'm being real with you. I'm letting you know that I'm not perfect. I have to work at this just like you. And he said, but I'm letting you know that I take hold of everything because Jesus took hold of me. And, and using this sports metaphor here, um, the apostle Paul is saying like, Jesus drafted me on, on his team. He picked me for his team. He, he picked me and I didn't just say, thank you for picking me, now I'm gonna rest. He said, thank you for picking me, now I'm gonna show you that you picked the right guy. You picked the right guy, I'm gonna give you everything. I mean, I think about, imagine if you were a, a, an NFL player and you, you played football your whole life, you, you get to that moment of the draft and once they draft you, you go like, hey, when's the team picture? And they're like, why does he care? Because as soon as they get the team picture, I'm gonna stop lifting weights and, and I'm gonna eat anything I want. And I'm gonna do whatever I want because I just wanna get, I just wanna get on the picture. And as soon as I get my picture in, then I'm good. You say, why did we draft that guy? Who did the scouting on this guy that all he wanted to do was get in? We want a guy that wants to get in and go for it and win it all and prove. And, and I can't stand when Christians are like, I'm so glad that I'm in and, and I've got all that I need and I'm stopping right here. Paul was saying, I'm not content to be a box checker. I'm not content to just be on the team. He's saying, because Jesus got a hold of me, I want to let him know that he got a hold of the right guy. I'm the right guy, and I'm going to show him that he knew what he was doing. Which, and in and, and, and some of the translations actually say this. It says, like, I'm 
apprehending God because he apprehended me. Like I, I, he, I, he's apprehended, he grabbed me. And I, and I just want to give this an interesting thought. Paul's one, I don't know how many people in the Bible would fit this category, but the apostle Paul fits this category. He got saved and he didn't even want to get saved. Think about it. He wasn't seeking. He, he was actually fighting against God. And, and he's like, just going, I'm going to kill these Christians. I'm going to kill these. And all of a sudden God's like, bam, knocks him off his donkey, blinds him. You'll see it in act. And he's like, he doesn't even want to get saved. And God, boom, gets him. So when Paul says he apprehended me, I think he's like, he brought me into custody. I, 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 had, I had no desire. I mean, I was like going to fight him. And then he got me, you know, he, I was rested. And he's like, Jesus apprehended me, and now I'm apprehending. I'm going for anything I can. And he's saying, I, I, I've got him. I, he's got me. I didn't even want to be here, and now I'm here. And um, he's just like, if he's apprehended me, I'm going for it. Now, I've never been apprehended. Isn't that good to know that your pastor's never been apprehended? Okay. Our oldest son, Connor, was almost apprehended, though, once. Uh, not from breaking the law. We were in Columbia, and uh, we had a little father-son trip to Columbia, and uh, I was using frequent flyer miles. And I said, hey, I want to take you to South America. And then you'll have every continent by the time you graduate from college. And, and uh, we were there and we were in this small town. I don't know, seeing, oh, uh, like an underground church that was in this salt mine. And the military came up and saw Connor and they apprehended him. They grabbed him and they started to take him away. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? And they're like, and they started speaking to me in Spanish. And I'm like, no hablo espanol, Estados Unidos, you know. I, I don't know what you're doing. And our interpreter comes up and he's like, no, they're taking your son into the Colombian military. And I'm like, you can't, he's an American citizen. You know, so I take out our passports. I'm like, you cannot apprehend him. You have to give him back. His mother will kill me, give him back. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of scary, you know, like, apprehended, you know? But when you're apprehended, you're taken, you're taken. And Paul's like, God's got me. And if God's got me, then I've got God and God's got all of me. And I'm going to go for it. I'm going to press forward. I am going to move forward. And I am not going to be a check the box, stay still follower. And once you're in, I just pray you'll stay super focused on this. And you will find out why did God apprehend you? Why did God apprehend you? Why did God say you're mine? When you said yes to Jesus and you gave your life to Jesus, it wasn't just like, thank you for putting me on the team. Now I get a jersey and I'm in the team photo. It's now I wear the jersey. What position do you want me to play? Where do you want me to go? We, we talk about stepping into the yes this year. I mean, next class, alpha, life group, life team. You apprehended me for a reason. Why did you put me on your team? Okay, so verse 12, he's like, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to grab hold of God. He's got a hold of me, and I'm going to do everything. I'm not going to be a check-the-box follower. Verse 13, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He said, I focus on this one thing. I'm focused on moving forward. I want to do more. I want to get more. I want to be more. I'm moving forward. I am focused on this. Nothing is going to distract me from this. I'm focused on moving forward with God. He got a hold of me, and now my goal is to press forward. And I, I know a lot of people say, like, that's great. That's good for apostles. That's good for pastors. That's good for people in the ministry. Okay, we, it's good for all of us. 
okay? It's good for all of us. And uh, Paul was a, a tent maker and he, he was a bivocational pastor, if you will. He took care of his needs by making tents. He took care of his needs by preaching. And mostly he took care of all his financial needs by running a business and then having the opportunity to preach. And he used those together. And so I want us to have this understanding that he, he was like, I have this one thing. I'm not going to let anything distract me. I'm not going to let anything take me away from this. I'm pressing on. This one thing I do, I'm focused on that God apprehended me and I've got a laser. I am super focused on what he wants me to do. Now, using again the, the sports analogy and the obsession that people, have you ever noticed how obsessed people are about like for trophies? like obsessed, like they're, they're going to hoist a trophy, you know, in the, in the Super Bowl, and they are obsessed with, whole, they'll, they'll kiss that thing, or they're obsessed, people are obsessed for power, or for a paycheck, or for the praises of men. And I, I think if Paul was, he'd say, outdo them. I think he'd say, outdo them. If they're obsessed like that, we are more. I am so focused on this. I am so focused. I'll prove it to you in just a minute by some of the things he said, but these people are obsessed. Um, should the Vikings make it to the Super Bowl and should the Patriots be their opponent, we are going to need divine intervention to beat Tom Brady. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, we're going to need that. They, they call Tom Brady the greatest of all time. And um, I had an opportunity to, to play golf with one of his teammates, with Chris Long. So it was right after they won the Super Bowl last year, maybe like a, a month and a half after they won the Super Bowl, I, I had an opportunity to play golf with Chris Long. And he's a defensive end. And he's like, I said, what was it like being on the team? He's like, unbelievable. We talked about momentum shifting and all that. And then I said, okay, what's the secret? What's the secret of the team? He goes, Tom Brady. He goes, he's obsessed. He goes, he's obsessed. He goes, I've never, ever, ever, ever in my life met anyone like him. No one. There's no one on earth like that. And I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul's like, I'm focused. I am focused on this one thing. I am focused on this one thing. And he said, Brady is uh, obsessed. He's like, he, he's like, no white sugar, no white flour, no MSG, organic. He only uses coconut oil for cooking. He only does Himalayan pink salt, you know, not sea salt, Himalayan pink salt. Uh, no coffee, no caffeine, no dairy. And, and when you say, man, that's a lot of sacrifices to make. You know what Brady says? He said, I make concessions. I make trade-offs for what I really value. And we say like, well, you're sacrificing a lot. And you say, no, I make concessions. And they say, what, what concessions do you make? He said, I don't have as much time with my friends. I don't have as much. He goes, I, I don't get to eat what I want. I eat what is good for me. He goes, I, I, I sleep a, a perfect amount of sleep. You know what time Tom Brady goes to bed? 8.30. 8.30 at night, he goes to bed and he gets up at 5.30 every day. 8.30 to 5.30. I mean, just think about it. He's obsessed with it. He, he's like, I will exercise. They, they're saying Tom Brady goes to the special teams meetings and he's never going to be on special teams. But he wants to know everything that the special teams are supposed to be doing because he's obsessed with it. Okay? So again, we need divine intervention if we do play them and we make it. But I did hear this about Stefan Diggs that he actually would run routes in the dark, keep running his routes all night long in the dark, trying to perfect his routes and get him so maybe dark training will win. I don't know, you know, but, you know, anyways, uh, so. The coaches are even crazier. The coaches are even crazier. Bill Belichick uh, has a, a thing when you, when you want to be a coach for him, he calls it 20 for 20. He goes, I want 20 hours a day for 20,000 a year. 20 hours a day 
for 20,000 a year. He goes, that's what I'm gonna pay you to start out as an assistant, assistant coach for me. You want in? 20,000 a year, 20 hours a day. I want it seven days a week, 20 for 20. How good are you? They purposely do the interview time, the interview so long. They wanna go so long that they wear you down and see if you're still enthusiastic in your like 16th hour of interview and they're asking you questions, okay? They are focused for what Paul would say in other passages, a crown that fades away. And, and, and Paul's saying, we are focused. We are fo now, I'm not saying 20 for 20, okay? Uh, all staff was like, praise God, thank you. You know, we're not saying 20 for 20, okay? But I am saying, are you focused on what really matters? Are you focused on what, are you really giving it your all? Because here's what I see. We come in late for church and we've been apprehended for Christ and we can't even set the clock to get here on time. And I'm telling you, whenever I go to visit a church when I have a weekend off and I go to visit church, I think that's the shortest hour ever. How are you late for this? How, I'm just saying, if we've been apprehended and we're focused, we're trying to do this, how do we, how do we show up late for church? How do we skip soap? soap? How do we give only when we feel it? How do we, you see what I'm saying? Uh, we a la carte our calling. And I'm gonna tell you this, you cannot a la carte your calling and really say you're focused on one thing. You can't do it can't do it. I love in the book, not a fan by Kyle Eidelman. He says, followers of Jesus should have some stories that make people say, that's crazy. That's crazy. Cause probably you were thinking that when I was talking about Tom Brady, you're like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Himalayan sea salt, whatever. Come on, pink Himalayan salt, whatever. That's crazy. That's crazy. Come on. 830 at night. That's crazy. Come on. That's crazy. You know what? There should be something as a follower of Jesus Christ where they go, what? You get up that early and go set up portable equipment at Woodbury? Are you kidding me? They get up and they say, are you kidding me? You go to two services? Matter of fact, the other day I saw people that were at Saturday night service and on Sunday, and I said, wait, weren't you here Saturday night and Sunday? They're like, yeah, we come Saturday night to church and then we come back Sunday morning and serve. And I'm like, praise God, because your neighbors think that's crazy and God loves it. That's focused. I love it. I mean, you use your vacation to go on a global team. You give 20% of your income. You tie 10%. You do 10% kingdom builders. Somebody finds out about it. Your accountant looks at it and goes, that's crazy. You say, praise God. I'm focused. I'm ready to play. I'm in this thing. I am there. You turn down a promotion because you know it'll be bad for your family. And God's called you to be planted in the local church. And it means you have to move to a place you're unsure of. And God's told you to plant roots here. And you turn it down. And the people says, that, that's crazy. A follower of Jesus Christ needs a focus level that people sometime in their life will say, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's what changes this world. And I just think about how focused these people are. I mean, I, I was reading about great athletes and they, they rest before the event. I mean, so many of us don't even think about it. Saturday night before church, we're off doing all sorts of things, sometimes doing things we should not be doing. And then we think we're going into church Sunday morning. And we're not even, we're not even like staying neutral. We're going negative and then we're coming in. I mean, I'm at least saying, can you be neutral? You know, you, 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 do, you, do you get the clothes out? Do you get the, you know, do you have, I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm dating myself. Do you have like a playlist? You're like, I'm gonna put the playlist in the car and I'm gonna play, I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get fired up. We got the, the routine, we're gonna go and we're gonna listen to the worship, get there. You know, resting before the event, they're resting. One of the things you gotta know, 
the, at the Vikings game the other day, you know, when we were, we were cheering, I was like, I'm going to be as loud as I can. The Vikings need all the help they can get. They need the 12th man, and I'm going to scream. And then I thought, I'm not going to scream. I'm going to lose my voice. So I brought, like, party horns, smuggled them in, you know. And I was like, Bruh! you know, I was blowing that baby. I was blowing it the whole time. And Connor and Logan thought I was crazy until they were like, how are you doing, Dad? Can I borrow a horn? You know, so... <laughs> But I, was, I was protecting my voice. You may not know this, but if I go to a sporting event on Saturday or Sunday uh, or, or Friday even, I protect my voice. I have to like, I don't cheer. I, 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 I'm, protect, I'm just trying to stay focused. But the nutrients, I won't go into all the details. We had John Bevere stay at our house. I watched this guy. He's, he's like, man, I'm gonna do everything I can for Jesus. He gets up, has the same thing every day, routine. He's like, I'm gonna do this every day. He's eating healthy, doing his thing. He would give Tom Brady a run for his money and he's doing it for the kingdom of God. But these high quality, these athletes have high quality sleep. They prioritize sleep. I, I'll never forget this. I used to work at the old Met, the old Met stadium where the mall of America is. I was a vendor. So I used to, you know, ice cold, Coke and orange. You know, I, yeah, I did that. Walking up and down the aisles, all right? And I remember one day I was, it was the Vikings were playing. I forget who they were playing. But I remember our, I was, it was vending time. Like I was getting ready pregame to go out and sell Coke and orange. I mean, I'm there at my appropriate time. And our starting quarterback comes running down the hallway, chewing his mouth, unshaven, and he's running down, go to the locker room. If I'd have been a betting man, I would have bet against the Vikings that day. You know what I'm saying? He was not prioritizing sleep. He was coming in hungover and all that day. And I, I just thought, oh my goodness, no wonder we haven't won a Super Bowl right there. You know what I'm saying? But you, you got to prioritize. Great athletes keep a record. You get the point now. How radical are they? Let me get back to this, Apostle Paul. I see this in interview form. Somebody saying, Apostle Paul, how do you feel? How do you feel about your career so far? And he says, hey, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Wow, he's up in the ante. He's like, you talk about live dead? I'm there, live dead. All right, wow. Uh, uh, okay, Apostle Paul, hey, you just had the greatest day ever. You just upset uh, the saints. How do you feel about that? And he goes, hey, in Philippians 3.8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may obtain Christ. He's like, you want to talk about best day? This isn't even close. The best day is the fact that I got Jesus and I'm doing everything I can to get a hold of Jesus. I've got this. He's like, I am focused. I'm going after it. I am there. All right, let me read a little bit more in this passage. And then I got two more things here. Stick with me. Um, he was focused forward. He said, I forget what's behind and I strain towards what is ahead. And he said, I press towards the goal. Now, I want to tell you, a lot of Christians do this. They spend a lot of time, time talking about where they were and where they are. And they say, I used to, and now, and this, and I'm here. And the apostle Paul was like, that gap is great. That gap is great. The distance between there, that's great. Let's celebrate what God has done. But you should be obsessed with where you are and where you need to be. He's like, uh, this is the gap that I'm obsessed about. This is the gap that, I'm, that, I'm, that I lose sleep about, okay? And in the book Peak, there's a book called Peak by Erickson and Poole. They said when, when the average person reaches an acceptable level of automaticity, what does that mean? When you can go through life and you can just be on autopilot, you rarely get better. Listen to me, church. When you get to automaticity, you barely, you rarely get better because you just, you focused on, look at how far I've come. 
I feel pretty good about where I am. My spiritual life is on automaticity and you don't obsess about the gap that's over here. And you start comparing yourself to other Christians instead of Jesus and you feel really good about this, but you lose sight about where you're going. And Paul's like, I never rest. I never stop thinking about it. I'm not worried about how many things they had or what was over there. The gap that's over here is the one that I obsess about. I obsess about this gap. I'm thinking about this gap and where I need to go. And I've got to keep adding more to my faith. I've got to do more for Christ. I want to show that he, he drafted me for the right reason. I, I'm obsessed with that gap. I'm telling you. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing for our church. Um, can I tell you this? I just want to be very transparent. When the church hit 200, I had a, had a moment where I kind of was like, wow, we're here. Wow, I finally am getting paid. Praise God. You know, and I got a youth pastor to do all the things I don't want to do. Praise God. I got it. That's awesome. And, and, and I remember thinking like, it'd be a great spot to slow down. And God's like, keep going. We got to a thousand. And I, and I was like, hey, this is great. We're a thousand. I can go to church growth conferences and say, hey, we're a thousand. It was a great number to throw around. Thousand, thousand. My peers thought I was doing a great job. And I, and I had a temptation to rest. And God's like, don't rest. Don't rest. Don't rest. And I got to tell you right now, where we're at as a church, just in the, in the last year, I've just been kind of like, well, how much more do we want to do? And where do we want to go? And I mean, after all, we're doing pretty good. And, this, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying I slowed down, but I just had just a fleeting thought of like, how much more, how much more, how much more? And I feel like God used this to kind of like, hey, look at this gap. Look at this gap of how many people still don't know me. Look at the gap. Look at how many more cities we need to reach. Look at how many, I, I feel like God, like a, a, a loving coach, just grabbed me by the, you know, like, come on. Let's do this, empower the next generation. Man, work on this, go for it, do more, go for it. It, it. Be obsessed with this gap, not this one. And so I just feel like it's a reminder for all of us that we've got to be obsessed with the gap. I don't want to be an old church that says, man, remember back when? Remember back when that was amazing? Remember our best years of growth? I want our best years to be our forward years. I want our best years to be there. And, and verse 15, let me close with this. Paul says this, this, this is amazing. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Paul says, if you want to know when you're mature, you're mature when you make sacrifices for the God who grabbed hold of you. You are mature when you obsess over the forward gap, not the backward accomplishments. You are mature when you are not just resting and easing up, but you are pressing towards the finish line. And the word they uses for press is like more like a running race versus football, but he's, he's, he's saying like you're pressing, you're reaching out, you're straining, like everything else is in front of your feet. It's, it's out there in front. And I want to pray this. I want to pray that our, our faith would be in front of our feet. I want to pray that our faith would be in front of our hands, that we'd always be out there even further than we could reach. I want to pray this over our church, that our faith would be further out in front of our wallet. So many churches go, well, what do we have in our wallet? What do we have in the bank? And I want to pray that our faith will always be out in front of whatever we have right here and we'll strain and we'll be obsessed with the gap and we'll say, God, we're going to go for it for your glory. And this is the promise, promise, promise last thing. You cannot rah-rah your way to doing this, okay? I don't have time to go into it all, but 
the book Peak and others have talked about this. The, the motivation, you have to have a good motivation in order to live a life like this. You have to. And it's amazing how much Paul, it just is, he's so in tune. Uh, these modern studies are just confirming. He said, I do it for Christ. I do it for Christ's glory. I do it for the one that apprehended me. I do it for him. Because if it's rah, 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 man, we'll, we'll all be done within, by Wednesday, we'll all be tired, okay? But if it's like, Jesus, it's for you. Jesus, it's for your glory. Jesus, it's for you. You, you, you drafted me. You got me. You got all of me. It's for your glory, for your honor. Jesus, my motivation is you, your glory, your honor. If they forget my name, that's fine. May they lift up your name, your name, your name, your name, your glory. Let the motivation be for Jesus, for his glory, and for his honor. Let's be super focused in Jesus' name. So God, I just pray right now that you would help us to, to realize you got a hold of me, you get all of me, you drafted us for a reason, and we wanna show that it was the right call, it was the right choice, it was not a mistake. You didn't, you didn't get tricked into this. Lord, you, we love you with our heart. We will press on, we will be super focused. There'll be sacrifices and there'll be things that the world will look at and say, that's crazy. That's crazy. But you would say, well done, well done, well done. Thank you for apprehending us. May we apprehend you and do all for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.